the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there and welcome to the Numinous Podcast where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. I'm your host Carmen Spaniola joining you from the lands of the Lekwungen speaking peoples, the Songhees and the Esquimalt First Nations, recently known as Victoria, BC, Canada. And my guest today is my dear friend, Therese Couture. Therese is an artist, performer, leadership coach, embodiment practitioner, and founder of Embodied Black Girl, a global community that stands for the embodied liberation of black women and femmes and women of color globally. And part of that work is realized through the Global Healing Festival, an online annual event featuring over 20 inspiring presenters. Therese has been a coach for 13 years, has been practicing energy work since her teens and performing and writing since childhood. We've been friends since Therese first appeared on the podcast in 2017 when we spoke about shadow alchemy. Since then, we've been fellow students more than once in different trainings. We've collaborated professionally by co-facilitating small groups together. And Therese has held me in some of my most vulnerable moments. At other times, she's given me really stingy feedback when I needed it. I love hearing about her upbringing and family traditions and this conversation about how she celebrates the Wheel of the Year in her Haitian tradition has been a very long time coming. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So, Therese, it's been a while since you've been on the Numinous podcast. It's time for an update. What identities do you lead with? Hi, Carmen. It has been a while. And um, I know that you start with this question. So I was like, what identities? <laughs> what identities? Um, I would say the identities that I lead by is a mama, of course, as you know. Um, my little one is now five going on six. And um, a Black woman, a daughter, a sister, a teacher, birth of um, Haitian descendants, revolutionary descendants. I think those are some of some of them, writer. <laughs> There's so many, but, <laughs> but yeah. those are some of them. When I think of Therese, I, I also think first I think of you as a mother, and then I think of you as a space holder and teacher. I'm so excited that we get to chat. We talk every week, but I we've never actually just sat down and talked about Wheel of the Year or like your ancestral spiritual practices that you're keeping alive for your little one, Isaiah. So I'm very excited for this. Let's start, though, with the term witch, because I think mm. our spiritual practices in might look similar in some ways, but I bet we have a very different relationship with that word. So would there be like an equivalent or a correlate to the term witch according to your hereditary practices from Haiti? Yeah, it was interesting that you asked that question because I was like, witch, witch, because you sent me that question. I was like, witch. Um, it's not really a word that I grew up hearing in my household, although I was raised, you know, as you know, in New York City. But of course, I heard it throughout. So the word was more so, um, my understanding was more so through like this Western lens, mm -hmm. um, because there is not necessarily a direct word 
that means which. Like there's the word um, saucier. And I think that's like the closest, the closest to being witch. But Mm. if I had to even translate that, it would mean oracle Mm. or seer. Mm. Mm. So it was really interesting because I was like, I think my only real interaction with that word has been in my upbringing in in this country, which is I'm in the internal island, also known as the United States. So what kinds of um, spiritual elders are there in Haitian lineage? So it really depends on like what you have apprenticed, what is in your lineage. So for example, some people might um, name themselves as like medicine, like a medicine woman, man, person. Um, There's also people in the voodoo lineage who go, who are mambo, gun, and those are, you know, people who go through initiations Mm -hmm. in order to to have that um, or to have that designation. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the word saucier, there's voyant, there's many, many different words depending on your family and your lineage. Mm. And um, there's priestess. Mm. So I know within, for um, for my um, family lineage, like all of those, like there are ancestors who have all of those designations. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And your father was a healer as well. And mm-hmm. where would he kind of fall in there? Like herbalist type or? He was a healer. I would say medicine. He he would really call himself like a medicine man. That's what he would call himself. Mm. What do you think you're becoming or how would you describe <laughs> yourself? I was like, actually, you said this. And I think the word would be priestess. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the word would be priestess. And um, it's really hard because so many words that I have, I learned, I learned in my native tongue or my mother tongue, (laughs) and there's not this direct translation. So Mm -hmm. I'm actually finding a hard time, like, okay, if I was just saying this in Creole, I would be saying it a different way. So I'm like, literally having to translate it in my head, (laughs) and feeling like I'm not doing an adequate job of translating it. It makes sense to me that there there aren't good words to directly translate in English, but I appreciate you trying. Can you tell us a bit about how you experience the seasons and the wheel of the year? And is there, again, like, is there something kind of correlated that in to that in your lineage? Yeah, I feel there definitely is because pretty much every season there is a, a celebration right and again it depends on your particular family lineage of like how you're going to celebrate that but i feel something that is overall throughout all of aiti is celebrating the independence and so there's like the soup jumon that everyone drinks and you know essentially What's that it's um a squash soup Oh. It's a squash soup. So every first of the year, ever since I can remember, that is what is made. And on the first of the year, it's a celebration where you drink that. And it's essentially 
because the enslaved people of Aichi were not allowed to eat certain things. And Jumon was one of those things. Mm. And so um, it's a symbol of freedom. Mm. So every, every first, that's how we begin at least the Gregorian calendar year. Mm-hmm. And that's actually is the the um the date of independence. It actually lines up. It's not like oh uh we're just picking right. a date. It lines okay. up with when it actually um was declared independent. And then of course we have, you know, celebrations throughout the equinoxes and my mom, you know, was raised with the land, work both my parents actually, you know, working with the land. So so much of it is based in the season. So essentially, like by the time um, the spring equinox comes, that's a time to to celebrate the coming of, of spring. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I, I also have to name that many of the celebrations, because the Christian religion has had so much influence throughout I mean, everywhere, where it haven't they had influence. There's also, quote unquote, what looks like Christian celebrations. But then when you look underneath, it's so much folk. Mm. So throughout the year, depending, like my my mom is from, both my parents are actually from Caballon. So there are specific celebrations throughout the year that they go through because they're from that place versus... Mm another, you know, another, another place. The ones that personally that resonate with me the most, I would say, are the equinoxes and the solstices. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of energy around Mm -hmm. those times. But also the other thing is that the celebrations are not on fixed days. You know how, Mm -hmm. you know, typically it's like the, you know, the solstice, the not the solstice, the equinox, spring equinox, it's in March, you know, 21st, 22nd, around mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. It's much more loose. It's like Caribbean <laughs> time. <laughs> it's like you have that that season really to celebrate right. it. Right. So you have the season like, you know, to celebrate it. And um, I think also really big, and I think this is also throughout, um, also you find this in Mexico, which is the Day of the Dead, mm-hmm. uh, the remembrance. And really, it's like a remembrance of ancestors. So around Samhain, that's mm-hmm. a really big deal. I know in the past, people would go to the cemeteries and have picnics with their ancestors. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of um, reverence when it comes to ancestors. It's really interesting because my mom has this, she told me this story about when she was growing up, there was a period of time that she remembers that was called Rigete. And during that time, the church like swept throughout the lands and forced people to throw out any kind of memra, not any kind of sacred objects, any kind of ancestral reverence, any kind of like ancestral altars, it had to get thrown out. And she wow. has that memory of wow. this happening. Like, so this is within her lifetime. Yeah. So what I personally always love to do, you know, in terms of like figuring out all of the 
all the clues is like seeing what are the traditions and what are the things that don't like don't line up and then having a conversation, you know, to find out, okay, well, what's, you know, what's, what's underneath that. Mm -hmm. I think there's the difference between the winter um, solstice to me is that there's still a lot of, a lot of joy It doesn't seem that much of like the dark night of the soul, which Mm -hmm. personally is something that I experience living, you know, in on Turtle Turtle Island. And I wonder would I have that same experience if I live there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wonder what the nuances would be in terms of what that looks like, because it's actually really a beautiful time of the year. Mm you know, with like the best weather, whereas around, um, around the summer, late summer to early fall, that's when you experience the floods, the hurricanes, um, and at different points of the year, drought. So to me, it doesn't really line up exactly the same way Mm -hmm. that it lines up seasonally. Yeah. Because the summer, that's when it gets either really hot. Yeah. There's, you know, the the hurricanes are coming through. Unfortunately, as we're seeing right now, that's happening in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. But that's when that happens throughout, you know, the the Caribbean. Right. So that would be the more sort of fearsome time because you're not, it's not like the Western tradition of being worried about thimble winter, the winter that never ends for years on end. You're like worried about, yeah, drought and and homes destroyed and things like that in the summer. That's really interesting. So how do you, how do you personally integrate that as a person who I know you to be very connected to your ancestors, especially to your dad, who's on the other side? How, how do you do this for your kiddo? Like, what's the wheel of the year look like at the Couture household? <laughs> you know, it really is based on ancestral, ancestral reverence and keeping the ancestors alive. Because so much of what I shared with the period called Wujite that mm-hmm. happened throughout was a denial of that. And I actually have these thoughts or I've been thinking in my minds of like, how much is the disconnection of ancestors connected to the turmoil, a lot of the turmoil that is being experienced. And this is not to, um, not to discredit the, what, for example, America has done, the policies of America, Canada, um, France has done specific, specifically to Aichi because there are policies and things that I have done over the past hundreds of years that have caused this level of turmoil. And I ask myself, can a returning, an even deeper returning back to ancestral traditions and reclamation of that um, f- um, change that around? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that last year that it um, last August um, came up really clearly was that um, in August, this was the time when our ancestors had a huge ceremony 
in the name of freedom. Mm. So before the declaration of independence, there was a huge ceremony and with sacrifices and dances and et cetera that happened in Haiti by um by the people, right? Mm-hmm. And and that ceremony was actually seen as the catalyst mm-hmm. or the domino that mm-hmm. allowed the, all the other dominoes to fall throughout mm-hmm. the world in terms of liberation for Black, Indigenous, and folks of color. Mm-hmm. And it started in Haiti. So mm-hmm. to me, it's like, celebrating those things are important and seeing how they align with where we are seasonally as Mm. well. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. It does make sense to me. And and especially even on like where we are, um, you know, as I, when I talk about this in quest, it's like, where are we in the season of a human journey? So it's like, where are cultures? Some cultures are more immature, America, Canada, et cetera. <laughs> more indigenous cultures, AD included, are more mature. And so their role is to do the ceremony and the rituals to help the other, you know, if we were in a smaller community, be like to help the adolescents know what to mm-hmm. do next, right? And so it's like, yes, I can see how you keeping those traditions alive creates a an anchor point in the morphogenic field almost in the ripple effect of like yep here are people who have mature um spiritual practice and the reclamation of that we don't know how that would influence the rest of us and the rest of our um politics and institutions etc so it's making sense to me anyway i can feel it feel excited Mm -hmm. by that. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for asking that because that's something that I've been exploring for years and having, you know, I'm fortunate my father, as you know, is no longer with us. So I feel like there's many of those stories that are lost, but my mom still is. So she still tells me stories. And also there's, I have to say, there's so much through food. Uh Um, um, so there's, depending on the season, all, every season has, um, food that's associated with it. So mm-hmm. things that we will cook traditionally as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned with like the first of the year is jouement, you know, but throughout the year, there are things that you also make, mm-hmm. um, I've seen your spring that plate. time. I know. <laughs> I'm like, what are you eating? Don't show me what you're eating. Maybe tell the listeners like, so, so then at the spring equinox, what would you eat? Um, I think during the spring equinox, there would be mowi, which is, which is codfish. Mm -hmm. There would also be eggs and beets. Um, those are some of the things that we Mm -hmm. would eat. Um, by the time we get to the, well, the, the summer, there's a lot of fruits. Mm. It's just like celebrating that bounty, you know, Mm -hmm. the, you know, so there's a lot of fruits. There's a lot of, um. I know you had talked to me about the hibiscus. Remember yeah. you have the hibiscus. So there's <laughs> there's drinking hibiscus, which is also um, related to to freedom. It's it's mm-hmm. actually the unofficial flower 
and it's called like the liber- the flower of liberation. Um, so th- they were drinking that right around the ceremony time that sort of kicked off this global spirit of revolution. My gosh, well, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if they drank it then, but I know we okay. do. <laughs> right, you do now. Right? That, yeah, we do. And there's so many plants that are associated with the season. So my mm. my mom, both my mom and dad work with many, many plants. And actually, I just told you before we press record that I hurt my foot, uh, my leg actually. And yesterday, my mom came with like oils and leaves and. And like was massaging my leg, which hurt like hell, but it feels better today. <laughs> right. So oh. um, there's also working with a lot of plant medicine mm. um, as well. What would you eat as you're getting then more towards that um, honoring of the Day of the Dead or like what we would consider like a harvest home time in the the autumn equinox or like that that fall season here, what would you eat then? Um, I think it would depend what your ancestors love. Right. Okay. Right. You're eating like it's spirit food. So if they loved yams, you're serving yams. If they loved chicken, you're serving chicken, that kind of thing. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And then what about winter solstice? I think honestly that that's when they're First of all, my mom would say that they would only have, you know, her growing up, they would only have meat very rarely. Mm. So meat was something that was not part of um, like the diet where I feel like, especially in westernized meat is like a daily thing. Mm-hmm. But at that time, if if it was available, like they would have ham, mm. you know, and they cook in a, in a very special way. Mm. Um so like meats and rice, rice is all the time, mm-hmm. but <laughs> I think like meats and rice and um, cremas would like, there's not one, you know, winter solstice, Christmas season that we haven't had cremas. What's that? I don't, I don't know what the translation is. Um, <laughs> it's like this, it's this alcoholic drink <laughs> that mm. you make with like eggs and um, it's, it. Basically, the end result is white. It's okay. um, white at the end, and um, and that's what it's a we kind would of drink. Eggnoggy. It's like eggnog. It's like okay. eggnog, but it doesn't. I've tasted eggnog, and it tastes okay. It's I don't like eggnog, but this right. cremas is it's so good. Okay, how do you so, spell so that? Because I'm gonna Google that. I'm gonna find that recipe and try that out. Um, I think it's spelled K-R-E-M-A-S. Okay. Mm. Nice. Yeah, K-R-E-M-A-S. So it's, um, yeah, so it's white because I think it's also made with like evaporated milk mm. with things like nutmeg and coconut, cinnamon, um, almond, Mm, and oh and gosh, rum and so rum good. and rum yeah oh yeah the rum okay. is rum is big right rum is this seems huge. like next level eggnog i can't wait to try it <laughs> so you like me are in the position where okay there's not this entirely intact lineage but there are clues there's some stories but it's a lot of fill in the blanks or kind of like connect the dots which i'm 
finding for myself means that it's a very creative process. I have to be intuitive. I have to, you know, I have to to follow my instincts and just trust that it's okay, that it's not going to replicate any pristine prior tradition because maybe even my ancestors didn't have a pristine prior tradition. I don't know. How would I know? So mm-hmm. as you are creating and um, connecting the dots, where do you draw inspiration? Mm. I feel like so much of the inspiration is through the conversations with elders. Mm-hmm. That's really where the inspira- a lot of the inspiration comes from. And sometimes they, I mean, oftentimes I, they have stories and they say, this is what happened, you know, at this time. And I feel like you know, for me, part of my reclamation journey is going actually a level deeper and really taking the next level and writing it down. And I have been writing it down and, and, but I feel like, okay, there needs to be a bit more momentum behind that. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's more uh, leisurely. And I feel like there needs to be a bit momentum behind that because I feel like if I did that, it would synthesize even more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense it's, to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then what about creativity in general? Because you're a very creative person. You, you had a career as an actress, you're a writer, you, you're a performer, you've done, you know, you're a very creative person. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about your relationship with creativity at this time in your life? Yeah, I always have said that I felt like creativity was like the closest, one of the closest experiences of the divine. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt, especially I feel with like writing and performing, like for me, it was being able to, I, I know the power that stories have to be able to shift someone's perspective or show them something in a different way, or even or really even beneath that to feel. So, you know, that phrase that's often used, you have to feel it to heal it. Mm -hmm. And so many times, you know, with transformation or with change, it's like, if you can get even the person who disagrees with you to feel something, Mm -hmm. it it has the power to change. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've always been attracted to with through storytelling and creativity because it's different avenues opposed to just the cognitive way of talking about it. And which is why I love, you know, somatics. I mean, mm-hmm. all so much of creativity is somatics, right? I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I've been doing somatic practices all of my life. Um, <laughs> is that instead of going about it in a cognitive way, you are it's being approached or I'm able to approach it through a way where I don't have to use words or if I'm using words, it's in a, you know, if it's on, let's say on a stage, it's, there's a bit of distance Mm -hmm. and there, the storytelling as someone is watching the story, they're becoming more invested in those characters. They're seeing themselves and other people. And that's, Learning and also change can happen through that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At this time in your life, 
what does creativity mean to you? Because it's one thing when you're an emergent adult, you don't have a child, <laughs> you know, like, what does it mean to you as a sleep. mother? Yeah, exactly. You're not getting as much sleep. Like, what does it, what's the relationship you have with your own creativity right now? I feel like so much of my creativity is like, I, and I think it's always been the case is just getting out into nature mm. so that I can, I have access to it. That's where I have the most access to it. Like if I'm feeling creatively stuck, it's like go out to nature mm. and I will, something will always come through, whether a message through something or a bird will sing or I'll see a flower, there will always be a message. Mm. So to me, it's not necessarily in just something that I have to do because as you know, <laughs> with having a little a little human being, like my little human being is not in school today, they're out sick and um things change, things are always in flux. Mm -hmm. So it's making time um pockets of space to get out into nature. Mm. And then pockets of space to create. Like before I was a mom, I would have long expand, you know, I can take like a week or, oh, let me just <laughs> think about this. Let me just dream about this. And now I have to take just little, it could be like 30 minutes and mm -hmm. okay, what can I do in 30 minutes or what I can do, you know, on a weekend morning. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not the same. So mm -hmm. I'm and it's something that I'm constantly negotiating with and mm -hmm. <laughs> and seeing, mm -hmm. okay, what can I do and what can I not do in terms mm -hmm. of creativity? I hear what you're saying. And I, of course, I, re I remember that as like a single mom with a five-year-old and working full-time, right? Like I, 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 I get what you're talking about. And yet, Therese, you are so generative. You are, you do so much, you create so much, you make so much. And I, you know, of course I'm thinking as an entrepreneur, you have so many offerings and you're, you're always training and you're always learning. And so what do you do when you're in like a situation where, I don't know, like the thing you've created, you kind of feel done with, like do you ever get into a creative slump where you're just like, yeah, I've just been doing this too much and I, I need to do something new or like, how do you negotiate that again? Like as a mom, it's like, there's a certain kind of, um, ease to just doing the same thing all the time, right? You're like trying yeah. to have a routine. You're trying to like, you know, feel like you are in flow with life, but you seem to be a person who needs to be making new things or doing <laughs> new things all the time. Is, is that true for you? How do you negotiate that? Actually, that's something that I'm working on. Like I've been consistently working on with not needing to make new things all the time. <laughs> And be in devotion to just a few things mm. and seeing what that feels like and seeing what can emerge. So instead of, I can, I mean, I can create a new thing. Like you're like, let's do this. I'm like, I'm down. I'll create a new thing like right now. 
if I could, yeah. like every day <laughs> I would be, you know, cause I feel like there's so many, I just don't have the resources as like Beyonce or someone like that. <laughs> right. You know, there's so many ideas and so many things that I want to do. And, and for me, I feel like in the past, it's been a way that I've like squandered energy. Mm. So really trying to stay focused on a few things and if mm. my focus wants to move to something else, then really looking at those few things and then making a decision of like, okay, do I have to let one of those go? Do I have capacity? Because right. now, opposed to like when I was like 20 years old, you know, I'm thinking more about legacy. And mm-hmm. I'm and I'm also thinking of like this life is finite, like at least in this incarnation. Mm-hmm. And what do I truly want to leave behind? Mm-hmm. And if I'm doing a thousand different things and I'm every single day, I'm, you know, it's something new and my focus changes, it's really harder. I mean, I can leave a legacy. This is, this is just what it is. But yeah. for me, I feel like I would be more satisfied with there are specific things I do want to do. Ooh, tell me, like what? I feel like I, like I want to write a book. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I I do. I know you're right. You you have a book that's coming out and I'm mm-hmm. so excited for it. And I want to write a book. I don't know exactly what it's about. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's so many. This is the thing. There's so many things that I have done and how to synthesize it to create something that's meaningful. And I feel like that's purposeful. Maybe yeah. it's like looking at a certain slice and then moving to another slice and then moving to uh-huh. another slice. But I'm really thinking about legacy. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, wow, life goes by fast. And and that's important for me, what mm-hmm. I leave behind for Isaiah. And that goes back to having these practices that he can also draw upon. Because yes. like, I was raised in that way. Like throughout the year, we had different foods that we ate and practices that we had and ceremonies and that we would take part of. And you know, with seeing the elders in my family pass away yeah, and a lot of their stories die along with them, legacy and passing those stories on is really important to me. And that also informs my creativity. This is making me think of the writing of people like Ben Okri and, um, you know, people who have woven magic into creative writing that is like, I could, I could imagine you having like a memoir that you are just writing to Isaiah, but everybody else wanting to read it too, so that there's like stories woven in um, of like ancestors in Haiti also growing up in New York. And then like what your current magical practices, the the salve your mom made for your leg, you know, like I could just mm. see that all being woven in and um, that I would, I want that book. And so it is. (laughs) And so so it is. is. (laughs) So what is your kind of personal edge these days with your visibility and Mm. and self-expression around creativity? You have the Global Healing Festival that just happened. Literally thousands of people come. Now, I know one of the kind of sneaky things you do is you invite all these illustrious other speakers and then you like give yourself a teeny tiny amount of time. <laughs> so, so I, you know, I sense that 
you also have an edge, even though you've, you know, you've done acting school, you've like gone very far in Hollywood. There's like, but even you seem to have an edge with visibility and self-expression. Where, what are you working on? Where's your growth edge with that right now? Yeah. (laughs) You mentioned Hollywood and I was like, wow, I was like so naive thinking it was about art. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) finding out the hard way, like, wow, it's not about art. It's actually a miracle that art comes out of there. But um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it really is. And there are some lovely people that I've met and there and it's clear that it's not it's not where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but in terms of my growth edge, it's like I've, I've said this to you before. Like I'm a hermit. Like <laughs> I really am. Like I could go and live like in a cabin and just be good. Like I'm yeah. good. <laughs> I'm good. Like I I'm good. <laughs> And so it's actually hard for me to like get on social media on a daily basis. I'll I'll be really honest. Like it's hard for me because I'm like, I could just go outside and go into nature or take a nap or spend some time with Isaiah. And I don't think about like, oh, I need to, to document this. Right. So it's not like a natural thing for me to document things. Wow, that's so funny because it has become natural. I'm like, I love social media. And then I just, as you were talking, I'm like, and why is that? And what I realized it's like, it's because so I can watch videos of me. Oh my God. <laughs> Literally, I'm like, I have to document this so I can see the look on my face when like the pumpkin grows or so that I can like, you know, I don't know, hear me like talk about something that seemed like a good idea. Like I'm, I am the person who watches my TikTok videos. So I, of course I want to document. <laughs> so you got things. all those views. You exactly. gave yourself I, all those views. They're all me. They're all me being like, yeah, I totally agree with you, Carmen. That is- <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my gosh. But you, it's an effort for you. That's it's like an effort. your jam. Mm-hmm. It, it's an effort. Um, it's an it it really is an effort to to have to to do that especially i feel like i probably was better at it before having a little child and like so many right. other like elders that i'm taking care of that i'm responsible for and i just it feels like a, a much lower priority and it's so much of visibility is tied to that i think mm-hmm. getting your message your name, what you do out there in the world. So I feel like that's constantly my growth edge. And also of like, I just want to live life. Like I'm fine with like being a hermit. Mm -hmm. And there's another part that of me that definitely has had the visibility wound, Mm. you know, of feeling invisible, Mm -hmm. feeling invisible when I didn't want to be invisible. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel that so much of the world, I mean, especially I'll speak for myself, especially as a black woman um, and the amount of time or the amount of years and dedication that I've had and I, that I've done, especially with coaching and somatic work and not receiving the same amount of recognition mm-hmm. as I see like white folks mm-hmm. <laughs> or white women who might just take a piece of Mm -hmm. what black women do 
and receiving so much visibility, so many accolades. So I feel like part of that visibility is is also tied to like nourishment. Mm-hmm. Like and being taken care of and feeling like, oh, wow, I did that and no one cared. And now this person is doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're on the cover of this magazine. And now they have mm-hmm. this brand deal and that brand deal. And mm-hmm. like, I'm struggling to, mm-hmm. you know, to eat. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the wound, that wound has been very much linked to the wound of capitalism that has impacted us all in many different ways, but especially as someone who is in a black body, a black femme body, it's definitely impacted me in specific ways. Yeah, and for that's sure. a lot of grief. Like even talking about it, it's like, mm-hmm. ooh, I can mm-hmm. feel the grief coming forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I know this. We've sat for years now being like where how do we connect with elders how do we you know like how do you find these people they have to be out there and you're it's like it shouldn't be so miraculous that you finally found elders within a somatic lineage within um you know a healing lineage that are finally um kind of being featured profiled lifted up um, so that you can find them. Cause I know you have searched for a long time and, mm-hmm. um, so many times I've said, well, I think it just has to be you to rest. Like, <laughs> I just think it's you, like, this is, this, this is the sad state. And so, yeah, it makes sense to me that feeling of like erasure is made even more acute when you mm-hmm. see so many white bodied people, white women, myself included, who really don't have to do that much to get amplification. And then even just trying to find trainings, communities, lineages for you has been so, it's just been such a long journey. It's been Mm -hmm. so long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so tiring. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So it kind of like that, what you're saying with like my innate desire to be a hermit and having this, it's like, it's very, it can be very complex, right? Complex Mm -hmm. things to hold and to be with. Um, So part of me wants to be a hermit and then part of me wants to be seen and acknowledged. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think many folks can relate to that. Maybe. For sure. Well, and like you said, the wound of, um, racialized capitalism is like, and would like to be paid and would like to <laughs> not have to, you know, not have to do things that you don't want to have to do, like social media and all that kind of stuff. It would just be great to not have to work so hard for the same kind of recognition. Yeah. 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 The Global Healing Festival, which of course, as a, as a white woman, I didn't attend, but I because I got to be like in the wings <laughs> seeing you <laughs> produce such an amazing event and like hearing people, their experience of it is so amazing. And so it seems almost like one of the things you're you're doing to kind of get around that feeling of being a hermit is you're amplifying other people, you know, you're amplifying other um, women and non-binary folks and 
who are also doing this healing work. So, you know, thank you for doing that. Thank you for putting that out into the world. I I know how impactful it's been. Mm. It must be tiring. Yeah. I mean, I gave myself a lot of time to do it, but there's so much, as you know, if you're Mm -hmm. producing any kind of event, there's so much to do. But it was, for me, healing. Like, I I was surprised that how healing it was for me. (laughs) I'm like, shouldn't I have expected this? Shouldn't I have known this? But Mm -hmm. it actually, I was surprised how healing it was for me and how there was just such radical generosity from Mm. each person who who shared. Like, Mm. what I really felt, like, nothing was held back. Mm. I know how when you go to things and you're like, you're, you know, people are holding this back. Like, this is my, this is my ace and I'm holding this. And it was like, it was just like, there was just radical generosity mm. and people shared, you know, the, the honored guests, they shared really from their, from their soul and from like from their best work. Mm. And some mm. of them, you know, it was completely new work that they were that they were sharing for the first time. Mm. So that was that was really beautiful and it was really really healing. That is a testament to you, Therese, the safeness that you create that they can try new things and also that your generosity, the spirit of generosity that you embody obviously inspired them, I would think, because, um, yeah, you know, I know exactly what you mean when you go to some kind of event and it's like, I'm going to give you all my best B-level stuff. (laughs) All this, like, all my best bleedingly obvious advice. Yeah. And then I'm going to tell you, you can pay extra to come and get my, what, you know, my actual, like the ace, right? So I totally know that. So, but it's a testament to you and how mm. generous you are that they would want to give back in that kind of way, I think. So here's the last question that I have for you. Where are you finding the most joy and pleasure in your life these days? Mm, joy and pleasure. Huh. I yeah, feel like- I love hearing you say it that way. You're like, hmm, like you just know. Yeah, okay, sorry, I interrupted, but I just have to amplify. I feel joy and pleasure hearing you say the words joy and pleasure. Yeah, joy and pleasure. Uh, I feel like it's so important. And that's one of the reasons why I love somatic work. Because you go into the, as you know, I go into like the, the hard stuff. Right. A lot of the hard stuff comes up, but then it gives me the capacity to have more joy in just experiencing like an amazing meal. I love food. Mm-hmm. Like we probably should have talked more, even more about food, but food is like huge for us. Like we need to eat in this household if there's no food. Like it's like not good. It's, if there's a level above hangry, that would be it. But, um, <laughs> So, I mean, just like enjoying good food, Mm. self-pleasure. That's like really big for me right now. (laughs) Just like having time for self-pleasure, nature. Mm. And of course, Isaiah, like that's my, Mm. so much joy 
so much joy, like the joy that he has for life, like he swings from joy to like rage. But the thing (laughs) is, like he has that whole spectrum of emotions available to him. And when Mm -hmm. he is in joy, it's like, wow, it inspires me Mm. to to feel that much joy, Mm -hmm. to feel that much joy. And as you know, for the past few years, it's been so hard. Like we experienced Mm -hmm. so much loss during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And it was like shit hitting the fan after shit hitting the fan. That was the feeling over and over. So it's like, anytime I can get some pleasure and joy, I like pump it. Like, (laughs) let's go. Let's pump up this pleasure and joy. Let's pump this up. Mm. Because that actually gives me energy for and sustains me for what's next. Mm-hmm. 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 Like right after the Global Healing Festival or like during the Global Healing Festival, a loved one called me and I had to go assist with an emergency birth. And the Global Healing Festival was that what sustained me through mm-hmm. that, which ended up being weeks after, mm-hmm. gave me that energy and like my cup was overflowing that I was able to give. So I've been really lucky and I hope. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 So. When I, when I see your joy, I love your love for Isaiah. And so Aww. when I see him excited about like the, a simple, like the blue popsicle I said, <laughs> or like, you know, talking about his, elephants or or drawing planets or like you know even you telling a story about him loving purple i see and And rainbow (laughs) right and rainbow it's like that is very sustaining and thank you for reminding us how important it is to pump that up so that we have some gas in the tank for all the other stuff that's coming at us so thank you for being such an excellent role model and thanks for sharing so much on the show today Oh, thank you for having me, Carmen. I feel like this was just like one of our conversations. I know. It's, it's <laughs> been too long. more questions, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been too long since last time, but it's because, yeah, <laughs> it's like, we, but we should record more. Yeah. No, thank you so much for, for being here, my friend. I love you. I love you too. Thank you. I wish we lived closer so I could experience firsthand the love and care and healing that must be at the table and in the food at her house. It's inspirational. Continue to be inspired by following Therese on Instagram or signing up for her newsletter at TheseCouture.com, and I'll link to those in the show notes at NuminousPodcast.com. I didn't see any downloads from Haiti this week, but... Therese's home state of New Jersey, representing with healthy download numbers, also home, of course, to the boss man himself. Thank you to all my listeners in the beautiful Garden State. And finally, remember that The Spirited Kitchen is available for pre-order online or from your local independent bookseller. Just ask them to bring it in. And then bring your receipt back to my website to receive your instant bonus downloads. Just go to the cookbook tab at carmenspaniola.com c-a-r-m-e-n-s-p-a-g-n-o-l-a until next time take care